The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Merry Christmas to you all. I think every year I tell the same story on Christmas Day. I had an old associate. Some of you know him. His name was Pastor Dan Olson. And for many years, um, I never got to preach on Christmas Day, ever. And the reason why, it was because it was his birthday. He had the same birthday as Jesus. So he'd always say to me, you have to give me this birthday present um, because, well, it's my birthday. So I never got to preach on Christmas Day. And because of that, I always, I always give thanks for this opportunity to, to bring to you God's word on Christmas Day. This morning, we're going to look at a psalm, Psalm 8. And grant me a little bit of latitude because it is Christmas Day. And, and this is really the whole heart of the season right here. And Psalm 8, I think the, way, the best way to explain it is... It's like taking an elevator up and down and up and down, but really it's down and then up and then down and then up. That's what we're going to do this morning. And, and the movement is just wild. We're going to go way down, but then we're going to come way up with Christ our Lord. I invite you to, if you're at home this morning, get your Bibles open because I want you to be able to follow along in the text. And if you're here with us this morning, just Page open in your bulletins. We're right there on page 10. And here's what David the psalmist gives to us. This is our Christmas Day psalm. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You put, made them rulers of the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is God's word. There is a question that sits at the very heart of the psalm. In fact, the question serves as, as kind of a, a beating heart. We might call it, we might call it a, a halting question. It's a question that on Christmas Day we want to just slow down and, and ponder with the psalmist. David puts it this way. This is verse 4. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. That's the question in front of us this morning. Sometimes we, we run into these kind of questions, these questions that kind of sit like a burr in a saddle, the ones that we can't even really move on with our day before we have an answer to them. 
I, I remember once people have strategies in here in New York City to get you to slow down because we're always doing that, aren't we? In New York, we're always running around. And I can remember years ago, a young man, he made eye contact with me on the subway system. And I knew that that's never a good thing, right? When somebody makes eye contact with you. And I thought, oh boy, he's going to try to talk to me. And I just, I was, I was going somewhere. I needed to get somewhere. I needed to get to my next train. And he pulls up alongside of me and he asked me one of these questions. He said this. He said, what's the only state name that ends with the letter K? This is what he asked me. One of those questions that he, he hoped would make me slow down and say, you know, I need the answer to that question right now. And I have to be honest with you, my body didn't slow down. I kept going, but the question bothered me, see? I get on my next train, and I'm thinking, I, I got to know. What is the only state that ends, state name that ends with the letter K? So I Googled it. You know what it is? New York. And I thought, you dummy. Of course. But you, you, see that, you see what we're trying to do, though, here. It's one of those questions that we have to slow down and think about and ponder. And until we get an answer to that question, maybe our bodies can move on, but our souls can't. God, Lord, who am I to you? It's a good question. Especially if, 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 if the conversations that I've had with people throughout the week and throughout the years indicate anything at all. God, God, do you, am I anything to you? A teenage girl has thoughts of suicide. God, do you care? An aging woman is diagnosed with cancer. God, who am I? A broken family, even at Christmas. The family can't come together around the Christ child. God, God, who am I to you? It's a good question. It ought to, it ought to stick in our souls like, like a burr in a saddle. And, and the honest to goodness truth is the psalmist the psalmist wants to help us to answer that question and to ponder it. sits like a beating heart right in the middle of the psalm. God, Lord, what is man that you care about them? And then the first thing that the psalmist does is he, is he whisks us out underneath a dark and silent sky. It's easy to miss that fact. It's, it's, he doesn't say it sort of out loud, see, it's just sort of buried in the psalm. But the fact of the matter is, in this psalm, there's no sun, is there? The angry orb in the sky that, that lights up the day is not there. You look at verse 3. He's underneath the moon and the stars. So you have to picture it that way, that that there's David, and, and he's huddled up, and he's got his cloak around him to, to protect himself that one silent night underneath this dark sky, and he's looking up, and he sees the moon and the stars. 
It's beautiful. And this is, this is where the psalmist, one commentator put it so poetically, confounds all notions of scalability. Because what the psalmist says as, as he looks up at the sun, excuse me, at the moon and the stars, is that the moon and the stars, God, are the work of your fingers. Not the work of his mighty will or his mighty right arm, or even if we want to go smaller scale, not the work of his hand. It's the work of his fingers. He's confounding all notions of scalability. See, God is fast, and we, we are small. Why would he care about us? Or to, or to put it in another way, the moon to God is not basketball size. It, it's not even baseball size. It's not even ping pong ball size. The moon to God, it, 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 it's like a tiny speck of diamond. And the only way that God could work with it was with his fingers. And he, and he takes his tweezer and he grabs that little speck and he hangs it in the sky. He's confounding all notions of scalability. He wants us to understand that God is vast. And we, we are infinitesimally small and insignificant in comparison. You can imagine, you can imagine, can't you, David, underneath that night sky, and he's looking up at this giant moon and and the stars twinkling. And he says, he says, Lord, Lord, I can understand why you care about the moon. It's the radius is more than a thousand miles thick. God, I can understand why you would you would care about the stars. They are massive and huge. But God, why would you care about me? God. God, I am a piece of dust in your cosmos. God, I'm, I'm just a, I'm a molecule of H2O in your ocean. God, I'm, I'm like a tiny piece of sand on your infinite beach. I'm nothing. I'm nothing in comparison to you. God, who, who can I be to you? And, he, and you see right there, he, he begins to, to give an answer to the question, God, we should be nothing to you. You know, the astronauts, they, they get this. They, they understand this. They actually have a term for understanding who we are and God's cosmos. They, they talk about, quote, the overview effect. When you, when you look, it's like the opposite view of David's. When you look back at the earth from 200,000 miles away, you never can look at it the same again. Because you see, as you see our planet against the dark sky of the infinite universe, and you understand that God is even bigger than that, 
And you can't even begin to see, like human beings aren't even gnats on the face of the earth. You begin to think about yourself a little bit differently. See, God, who am I to you? And that's where we've taken that elevator pretty darn low, haven't we? But David almost immediately goes up and he realizes that, that God has taken us people who are nothing and infinitesimally small up to the highest of heights. Do you see that? Like he takes us to this immediately to this creational moment. And we're back in the Garden of Eden for just a minute. You see that in verse 5. You made them a little lower than the angels. You made them. He, he sees God pause in His creation on day six, and he, and he plunges for the first time, not just by His Word, but by His hands. He plunges His hands into the dirt, and He raises up a man, and only with the man does He breathe into the man the breath of life. And He gives to the man and to the woman the image of God. God who am I to you? And the answer is simply this. Only you are a little bit lower than the angels. In fact, He's crowned you. That's what He says. He's crowned you. He has made you rulers of everything and everyone except one person. Only God. What dignity does each and every one of us have? What dignity? God, I'm your king. I am your queen. He's raised us up to the highest heights. Now, you, you might be thinking, Pastor, what does this have to do with Christmas? And I'd say, here's the truth. This, this psalm is a creational psalm. And you're right, it's not Earth Day. We're not celebrating Earth Day today. But I also need you to know this, that Psalm 8 is also deeply Christological. Did you know that? In fact, in, in comparison to many other psalms, this psalm, ranks right up there as one of the most cited psalms in the whole New Testament. This psalm is also about Jesus. You know, it's, it's interesting, see, that it's almost as if the psalmist is living still in the Garden of Eden, but he's not ignorant that an incredible Fall, we might say. See, we're going to move back down. An incredible fall is taking place. Incredible. And that the world is a broken, broken place. 
Just look at verse 2. He's got three names. He's got enemies and foes and avengers. In other words, the place that Adam and Eve were supposed to occupy, they no longer occupy because they fell from the heights that God had lifted them up to. It's the story of the Bible. It's as if, for a moment, we can see in the psalm that the psalmist understands the story of Adam and Eve. That only for a short time could they resist the temptations of the devil. It's interesting, isn't it? And, and, and head-scratching, God had put everything under their feet, and yet they could not stay content. All the devil had to do was say, you can be like God. You can get up to heaven. You can push God off his throne. You can have whatever you want. And you know what they did? They tried to climb their way all the way up to heaven. And instead of arriving, they fell. And man, did they fall. And instead of becoming like, like a molecule of, of H2O in God's ocean or, or a little grain of sand on God's infinite beach, they, they became fallen, H2O, and they became fallen. Fallen grains of sand. They fell lower than they'd ever been before. So now we kind of have a different answer to the question again, don't we? Who are we to God? Who do we deserve to be to God? And I'm not, I'm not going to let you escape this morning without thinking about that. And let's not, let's not blame everybody else in the world for just a minute and just think about ourselves. Who are you to God after what you've done this last year and this last week and these last days? From what heights have we fallen? We, we, we want to climb our way up to God and, and seize His throne. We want to we impose our will on His. Wow, have we fallen. But, but this is where this psalm, this psalm becomes so... Christmas-like and so, and so Christ-like. You see, our, our rebellion, we might say, was, was upward-faced. But Christmas and the movement of Christmas is downward. Isn't it? We think about this. We 
tried to capture God's throne. And we ruined everything. Christ gives up His throne and comes way, way down. And His throne becomes a manger. We, we tried to grasp at all the power of God so that we could become like God. And, and He didn't think that being like God was something to be grasped. He came down into our fallenness, making Himself one with us in every way except not one with our sin. He came down and became nothing, and He gave us everything. And in doing so, in doing so, in His life, His death, His resurrection. Do you see what He's done by coming down? He's lifted us us up. He's lifted us up from, from the lowest low, from His fallen creatures, and He's put a crown on our head. And He's put everything under our feet once more. And now, once again, we... We are His crowned creatures and now also His redeemed creatures. God, the question goes like this. God, who am I to you? And the answer goes something like this. God, I am your creature. I am your daughter. And now even more than that, through Christ, I'm your king and your queen. Through Christ, I'm forgiven. Through Christ, you became nothing so that I could become everything. Brothers and sisters, Merry Christmas.